0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by a guest speaker. Church family, I am glad that you are here this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Rob, and I'm the lead pastor here at Salem Alliance Church. <laughs> I am so excited about where we are headed and can't wait to share more of that vision in the coming weeks. But I just want to take a moment real quick and just say this process has been so healthy and affirming. And thank you, Mark. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Governing Board, for the way you have carried out this process. Uh, it truly, it's it's been a journey. And it it has been good. It has been good. If you were here last week, we celebrated the resurrected Christ. And it was good. Uh, We received multiple emails of people that experienced healing, physical healing. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll be sharing some of those stories with you. Also, 18 people pounded ribbons into the cross. And we have those roses here to celebrate that together. As you know, we are in the midst of our our series called The Road. And we have been just walking the path that Jesus took, starting with the Transfiguration. We will be ending on Ascension Sunday by looking at the story of Jesus' ascension. And along the way, we've just been seeing his interactions with people, the miracles that he has carried out, If you're following along in the Bible study curriculum or in your travel journals, you know that this week we are headed on the road to Emmaus. You can see that here on the map. And if you know that story, Jesus is walking post-resurrection and he comes across two travelers and he begins to simply see why they're sad. And they tell him the story of this one who was crucified and the sadness they feel. And he begins to use prophecy and explain to them what was going on. They invite him into their home for dinner and he breaks bread and reveals himself to them. And I love what they say, because they said, on the road, as he was talking, were our hearts not burning? And so if you've been following along and you have your travel journal, here's, here's the thought I want you to consider this week. Maybe go ahead and jot this down. Think of a time of worship, prayer, or teaching where your heart burned as you received revelation from Jesus. Thank him for that experience and ask him to do it again. Ask him for fresh revelation this week. Today, we're not going to further look at the story of the road to Emmaus, but we're actually going to look at a story that happens again on the road. Going to take a little detour. uh, But we're going to be at the shores of the Sea of Galilee today. And Kelvin is here. Kelvin, please come on up. I believe you have a word for us today. Church, would you welcome my friend Kelvin Walker?
1: Salem Alliance. It is good to be with you this morning. Especially good to be here on this very special day, as you are installing your new pastor. Um, I, as we were singing, uh, you know, we we need a fresh wind far from heaven. Um, I. I leaned over to Rob and I said, Rob, I sense, uh, I sense something here. Um, is, would, you know, he's the lead pastor, so you want, I want to make sure that I'm getting permission from the lead pastor. Is it okay if I share what I sense? And he said yes. And so uh, just before we look in the word, I just want I wanna, I to share that. Rob, um, the glory of the Lord is resting upon you in a new and fresh way in ways that you don't even know, ways that you haven't seen, ways that are unexpected, lean into his glory. Salem Alliance, the glory of the Lord is present in this place. God is here and there are fresh things he wants to do, fresh ways in which he wants to move, a fresh outpouring that he wants to give. In this new season, lean into his glory in a fresh way. Let him, by his spirit, move and do what it is that he wants to do. And you will see amazing things. I just keep hearing these three words. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. But he's asking you to lean into his glory. Let's pray. Father, whether we are here in this room now or whether we have joined this room virtually, we say we need a fresh wind. Whether we are here in this room now or we've joined this room virtually, we sense the glory of your presence. And we want to say, Lord, we're leaning into your glory. (laughs) We're leaning into your power. We're leaning into your presence. We don't say, come, Holy Spirit, because it is a phrase that's just said. We say, come, Holy Spirit, because we want more of you. And so, Lord, as we look into this word But more, Lord, as we lean into your presence, we say, come. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's just good to be here with y'all. That's all I can say. We're going to look into John chapter 21. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 17, and we invite you uh, to join along. I will say up front that the version from which I'm reading is different than the version that you have uh, in, in the pews here. Uh, but uh, let's, let's follow along together. So, uh, again, we'll invite you, as, whether you're in this room or whether you're joining us virtually, to turn to John 21. We'll look at verses 1 through 17, and they read this way. After this... Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went and they got into the boat, but that night caught nothing. The disciple who Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Just quick stop. The disciple who Jesus loved. Who calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved? John. Who named John the disciple that Jesus loved? John. (laughs) I used to look at that and think, that's just kind of the most arrogant thing I've ever seen in my life. The disciple that Jesus loved. (laughs) But actually, he knew the love of Jesus in such a very special way that it's probably the only way he could describe that love. What's that love like? I can't tell you. It's the disciple that Jesus loved. The disciple Jesus loved. May we have that kind of connection and that kind of relationship with Jesus that when people ask who we are, we would say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Let's continue on. Uh, when Simon Peter had heard it, it was heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stri- uh, stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish that you uh, that you have just caught." So Simon Peter went abroad He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. If we were going to put a title or a topic on the message for today, it would be this. Fishers, failures, failures. And followers by the fire. Fishers, failures, followers by the fire. Now, I know that I am CNA main now, Christian Missionary Alliance. I've been CNA Maine for 33 plus years, but I grew up Baptist. We were Baptists who worshiped like Pentecostals. And in that Baptist church, uh, when the preacher was preaching, uh, people would say amen. So I'm gonna invite you to say amen. And if I say something that touches you the wrong way, I'm gonna invite you to say, ouch, it's okay, all right? (laughs) Let's look in the Word. I read about some students, notice how nobody wanted to practice ouch, okay? (laughs) I read about some students from Strayer University who took a trip to New York and set up an easel, a chalkboard on the sidewalk near uh, Lieutenant Petrozino Square right there in the city. They set this this chalkboard up for a day. And at the top of the chalkboard, they wrote these instructions. Write your biggest regrets. They provided colored chalk and set up a video camera to record people who were writing on the chalk, on the board. The board got the attention of many people who were passing by and they began to write. Here are some of the regrets that they wrote. I regret burning bridges. I regret never speaking up. I regret not being a good husband or I regret not being a good wife or a good son or a good daughter. I regret not spending more time with my family. I regret not stepping out of my comfort zone and trying something new. I regret not saying I love you to the one that I love the most. I regret never applying to medical school or law school or whatever school it might have been. I regret not making the most of every day. I regret not being a better friend. As the board filled up with the regrets of the people who were writing on it, uh, the students noticed something very significant. Almost all of these regrets had the word not or never. They were about chances not taken, they were about dreams never pursued. They were about lives not lived well. But then they gave these same people something. They gave them a gift. They gave them an eraser. And they invited the people to go up to the board and with that eraser, wipe away their regrets. And then at the top of the board, they wrote two words. Clean slate. Clean slate. One of the women was so moved by the erasing of her regret that she said this through tears. I feel hopeful now. It means that there are possibilities. And as I read about that, I realized that people would give anything to have a clean slate. I mean, the people we meet every day carry around the weight of their regrets. Things that are hidden right below the surface. Oh, yeah, on the outside, they look good and they've covered it up well and you would never know anything was wrong. But on the inside, they're dying. They're being torn apart. They're speaking negative words over themselves because they just want someone to come along and say, clean slate. You can begin again. No more knots. No more nevers. Fishers, failures, followers. I wonder if that's what Peter felt like as he just waited. For a chance to be done with the condemning self-talk about how horrible a person he was uh, uh, for, for not sticking up for Jesus. How, uh, how disgusting a person he was for never admitting he knew Jesus. How, how guilty he felt for telling Jesus he'd follow him to the very death in one minute. And then in the very next minute, he's saying, I never knew him. He denied him. He had he he had made the epic fail of all epic fails. He he, he denied Jesus not once, but three times. And and he was he was so low and so disheartened and, and so filled with shame that he must have thought the only thing that he was good for was fishing. I'd like to submit to you that Peter went back to fishing, not because he wanted to. But maybe Peter went back to fishing because it was the only thing he thought he was good at he had messed everything else up. And I can imagine him saying to himself as he was going back to fishing, I know this, <laughs> I know that I can go out at night and I can fish, and if I don't catch fish this night, I can go out the next night and I can fish, and I know how to instruct people on how to fish. That's what I'm good at, I can't mess that up. Let me go back to that place. Uh, if you like Peter, you might be able to relate to these words because I know that um, as I looked at these words and, and, and read these words, uh, there have been places in my life where I can relate to them. Sometimes it's just easier, even more comfortable to go back to that which you've always known. It's safer, it's sensible, and it's secure, especially when the regrets of your life leave you feeling like an epic failure. Failure. Easy to just go back to where you're comfortable. Fishers, failures, followers by the shore. You know what they say about breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. And I believe that was certainly true for Peter on this particular day. Peter's failure was epic. It was big. And if it hadn't been for the breakfast on the shore. If Jesus hadn't initiated that conversation, if Jesus had never risen from the dead, the trajectory of Peter's life would have been one of self-preservation, self-protection, and self-condemnation. One that would have been filled with shame and embarrassment and regret. But I thank God this morning that an encounter along the shore with the resurrected Jesus made all the difference in Peter's life. Amen. Amen. The shoreline. And the charcoal fire pits are significant scenes in Peter's story. And what Jesus does here with Peter is quite interesting to me. He paints this picture. I want you to see it. Uh, Peter was called by Jesus uh, on the shore while he was fishing. Luke chapter 5 gives that account. And here we are now in John 21, and Peter is called by Jesus while Jesus is on the shoreline to come back to following him. And what's Peter doing? He's fishing. Peter denies Jesus three times while sitting around a charcoal fire this was such an epic fail that it's recorded in all of the gospels but notice what's happening here Peter's being restored by Jesus around a charcoal fire and Jesus is there Uh, they're they're having questions Jesus is making statements around that fire that are are restorative for Peter there's something else that I find interesting the first incredible fish catch that Peter makes happens uh, in Luke 5 and it results in the nets breaking because there's so much fish but now here we are and Peter's got an incredible catch again 153 to be exact but the nets are whole (laughs) They don't break. I think Peter is being reconnected with the one who wants to take his broken life and put it back together again. And and Jesus uses all of these symbolic moments so that Peter can see that Jesus is the one who gives us beauty for the ashes of our life. This entire scene is about restoration. This entire scenario is about Jesus saying to Peter, I loved you even when you denied me. I am Lord even in your failures. So I know exactly how to restore you. I know what you need so that you can come to realize though your failure is part of your story, Peter, your failure is not the end of your story. I want you to come to realize that though it may be a part of your story, failure does not have to define your story. And I want you to see the scenario that Jesus paints for Peter. Here they are on the shoreline, and he calls Peter to himself, and he says to Peter, uh, he has these three questions, and I think every time Peter answered, it was like a flashback happening to him, because the smell of that charcoal, charcoal fire was bringing back to his memory what he had just done not too long ago. And so Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I can imagine Peter looking at Jesus and saying yes Jesus you know that I love you and there's a flashback and he's taken back to that scene around that charcoal fire and he hears in his mind sometimes I say aren't you connected to that man I think I've seen you around him no 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 I don't know the man and the weight of it gets deep in his soul and Jesus goes deeper Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus. You know that I love you and flashback. Hey, I think you're one of his followers. Or Look, y'all tripping. I don't know that man. Come on now. And it goes even deeper. And then finally... I can imagine Peter's there and he's been stepping back. And now Jesus leans in. Peter, do you love me? Flashback. Hey, you're a Galilean. I know you all because I can tell by your accent. And he swears. I don't know the man. And then he weeps bitterly. And in this scene, while the Bible doesn't say it, I can imagine there are tears rolling down his face as he says to Jesus. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And notice what's happening. Peter's moving away. But Jesus is moving close. And where they meet. He says let me recommission you, feed my sheep. It may seem mean to us that Jesus would do something like this, but I'd like to submit to you that Jesus has a wonderfully gracious way of taking us back in order for us to move forward. It's all part of how he works bringing healing, restoration, and newness of life to us, where he comes to those places of regret, comes to those memories, and he wants to show us that he's there, he steps in, and he brings healing. Look at, look at uh, uh, John 21, verse 27. It says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Uh, that word grieved there says that Peter was filled with regret deep down in his soul, the pain of his regret. But notice that Jesus says a third time, feed my sheep. And I'd like to submit to you that those three words actually translated to Peter in his soul this way, clean slate, clean slate. Now you might be asking, okay, what does breakfast by the shore and Peter's story have to do with Jesus' resurrection? But I'd like to submit to you today that the real question is this. What does Peter's conversation with the resurrected Jesus over a fireside breakfast by the shore have to do with your story and your story and your story and my story? Well, friends, just like Peter, we all have things in our lives that we regret. We all have situations where we look at it and we say we've blown it. We all have portions of our lives that have been left in ruins. And and in our minds, nothing good can ever come of those situations or nothing good can ever come of those mistakes or nothing good can ever come of those epic failures. But I'd like to share with you this morning some good news, because here's what I've discovered about the resurrection. Resurrection means this. Jesus is alive and his resurrection means your failure isn't fatal. Jesus is alive and your resurrection means that your failure isn't final, final because Jesus, the resurrected Jesus is in the business of redeeming and restoring the ruins of your life. He is alive and he's making all things new. And while you may, he may need to take you back the memory of your failure in order to move you forward to the place of soaring again, you can be confident that he will walk with you. Why can you be confident of that? Because he lives. He's no longer in the grave. And because he's alive, the words of the Apostle Paul ring true in our souls today. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So if you're here this morning or you're joining us by live stream and you're filled with failure. I want to encourage you, don't give up. If you're here this morning or you're joining us and, and you feel regret, don't pull back. I want to encourage you, if you're filled with regret, don't settle. Don't feel like you have to stay in that place. If you feel like a failure, do not stop. If you feel like a failure, let me encourage you, you're not finished. If you feel like a failure, let me say that your failure isn't final, isn't fatal. If you feel like a, fatal, a failure, let me say that your fiasco is not final. Your life is not over. Your past has been redeemed. Their epic fails can be restored. Your Redeemer lives. Jesus is alive and he's inviting you to a fireside chat. (laughs) The late S.M. Lockridge, one of my favorite preachers, says this of our Redeemer. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful, and he's impartially merciful. So matter who you are, no matter what your failure, Jesus can restore. You have already been redeemed. He's alive, my friends. His mercy endures forever. And your failure is not fatal. It's not final. In fact, he's redeemed what you thought was ruined. So today, receive his invitation to meet him by the shore of forgiveness and grace. Your past doesn't define you. Through his suffering and resurrection, he has redeemed you. My wife and I have six children, two daughters-in-law, a son-in-law, and a beautiful grandbaby, little grandbaby girl. Over the years, I have loved my kids with my whole heart. But there are times when I look back on my parenting and it's filled with regret. Times I should have been there when I wasn't. Times that I judge their actions instead of listening to them. And I had a conversation not too long ago with one of my daughters. And she's a daughter that seems like we, you know, we went at it. Um, I wasn't afraid to put out there what I was thinking and she wasn't afraid to talk back. And so I said to her, you know what? I've made some mistakes. And before I could even finish, she said, yeah, dad, but look at us now. It was like the smell of charcoal was redeemed for me. And like Jesus was saying to me, clean slate. Where do you need the resurrected Jesus to appear in the failure of your life today? I want to invite you to do something here as the worship team comes out. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And maybe even before I even did this or I asked you to do this, some of you have already gone there. I think Jesus wants to take you back. To the memory, maybe it's a place. Maybe they're words. Maybe you can hear it in your mind. Maybe you already just see it in your mind. But the only thing you can see is that failure or that regret. This morning, I want to ask you to let Jesus step in there. And as you're seeing the regret, can you also see Jesus there? Now will you hear his words? I know what you've done but I want you to know I've always loved you with an everlasting love. You see yourself as someone not worthy to even step into my presence. I see you as my beloved. And I've redeemed it. Can you see him just stretching out his hands so you can see the piercings? Will you let go of that regret? Can you give it to him today? And as you give it to him, hear him say, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your transgressions. Friends, you can begin again because he's alive. He's taken away your guilt and your shame and he offers you a new smell of that charcoal. Let it be the scent of restoration.
0: Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.